Hi, friend. This is Jeremy Tao, this week's guest host of the Let Me Play Project podcast. You may be wondering where Sarah Isley is. Well, this week's guest on the podcast is Sarah Isley. She will be talking about and and sharing her thoughts on the special word of the week, which is worth. And so I'm just very, very lucky and um, thankful to be invited to be the guest host this week. I met Sarah Isley back in, I think it was January of 2018, we were both working on this indie pilot together. I had come on as a production assistant and somebody in the lighting department didn't show up. And so I kind of fibbed about my experience and I was brought on to the lighting team And um, I remember being pretty nervous about how the day was going to go and if I was going to be able to keep up with the lighting team. And so I went over to where all the lighting gear was and I was just kind of looking around and there was Sarah Isley and she had her data wrangling center pretty close to all of our gear and I just remember Sarah really being like the first person to to say hello and good morning to me that day and um that is my first memory of her is a memory of warmth and and welcoming when I was kind of going crazy um over the uh over the production day and so when i think of sarah i think of kindness and i think of warmth and i think of welcoming and i'm just really lucky to uh to be considered a friend and a companion by her so uh yeah I'm, I'm very honored to be considered worthy enough by, by Sarah to be this week's guest host and to interview her. Um, she truly is just a wonderful human being. And uh, I hope you all enjoy um, our conversation here. So pour yourself a tall glass of chocolate milk and put on your Snuggie and Enjoy the thoughts and the words of the very wonderful Sarah Isley.
Hey there, Sarah Isley. Hello, Jeremy. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. We, I'm, I'm kind of at like a, a bittersweet moment for various reasons. One of which is, of course, this is the last episode for this season, so that's kind of a milestone. But also, yesterday was my last day working on this movie that I've been on, which has been just such a beautiful opportunity for me. And so I'm not really grieving because that's kind of dramatic, but endings are always hard for me. So I'm, instead of being like just sad and throwing a pity party, I'm trying to really relish in appreciation. So that's, that's where I am. I got you. That's great. I, I know that that feeling very well. The uh, what do they call it? The the post production blues mm. where uh, you wrap a project and it, it's it's emotional. You just you just made a whole thing with new friends and old friends and and so I get you. I get you. And it's just so it's so cool. I guess of how like you've got these two things uh, lining up, syncing up um, as these chapters kind of come to a close and so so y'all may be maybe wondering why you heard my voice first today um and so pretty much uh sarah do you want to explain why i'm why they heard my voice first today absolutely absolutely so it was all um it was all jeremy's fault (laughs) (laughs) um i I have, Jeremy's been a great sense of support, uh, to use one of the, the words from this season uh, to me through this whole endeavor. And I confided in him a couple weeks ago that I was feeling really good about where this season was going and what we were doing with it. Um, but I was a little bit, not lost, but... I felt like I could do better wrapping, wrapping the season up, the inaugural season. And I expressed that I had a few specific words that I wanted to talk about, but I didn't know who I could bring on for these words to explore them and to kind of understand them, but also to bring a sense of closure to this season of the podcast. And uh, Jeremy out of the blue or out of his wonderful creative mind uh, suggested that perhaps I find uh, somebody else to host and to talk with me instead. And I thought that that was a beautiful idea because that would allow me to bring some closure to the episode and also the specific word that I wanted to talk about was... uh, something that I really felt just like I felt a personal connection to in this moment. Um, So I thought that that was a great idea. But then when I was thinking about, okay, so then who should host? The immediate thought I had was, well, let me just put this work back on (laughs) to in the best way. And hopefully not. Hopefully it's all play. Um, But in the most endearing way, because he has been a huge source of like vocal 
support for me and also is a very personable person and is great at hosting. So who better, I thought, to to help me wrap this season up with a great hurrah than, than you. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I it means a lot to me to um to be so intimately involved with the inaugural season of Let Me Play and um just growing through seeing you grow and um it means a lot to me that you think that I am worthy enough to to fill in for you and um and help you finish out the season strong. So speaking of the word worthy that is our word of the week, worth. And um, so, yeah, we're just we're going to be having some some nice conversation about what the word means to us and how um, it applies to Sarah at this point of her life. So. So, Sarah, um, what does worth mean to you? Yeah, worth is something that I've been having to develop a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I've only just started. Okay. I used to think immediately when I thought of the word worth, I used to immediately think of value and economic in an economic sense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is worth $5 or this is worth $500 or um, this labor that I am doing is worth X amount of money. So I, it was only a financial thing. And lately I've been coming to realize that there's more to it than just economic value. Um, there's really all of these words that I've been exploring in this podcast are either... Um, facets of worth or there's some degree of worth to them so for example investment which also has financial uh, um, meanings is indicative of worth um, to some degree because you can invest in something financially but you can also invest if investing in a friendship or in a relationship or in um, or a pursuit of any kind is a worthy thing or and people there's inherent worth in people as well and there doesn't have to be a label on something or a sticker tag rather so worth to me i guess is i guess it's appreciation of something or someone for the the inherent appreciation of something or someone for the authentic nature of itself. Excellent. Excellent. So would you say that worth and the exploration of not only your self-worth, but worth in general, would you say that that was a big reason why you started let me play and i know in previous episodes you've at the very beginning you've explained kind of why you started let me play but now that we are many months in and many episodes in i'd, I'd really like for you to kind of re-answer that question mm-hmm. of why you started let me play 
Yeah, I, it wasn't the intention to find worth. My, actually my tagline was, uh, and is a uh, quest to find fulfillment. So that's kind of the big overarching goal. Um, but I started this podcast because I wanted to fill, um, I, I'm wanting to chase fulfillment. And I know that in the past, things that have been fulfilling to me have been sources of creativity. So either making something of myself uh, for myself or helping somebody make something of theirs or even just appreciating something creative like from an artistic sense or um, and also um, companionship has been a huge source of fulfillment to me historically. Um, So getting to uh, spend quality time with people is really important to me, not just the amount of time, but it being intentional and shared and appreciated time where both people are really present. Um, And also uh, curiosity has been a huge source of fulfillment to me because I I have a lot of questions and I have my brain works uh, in um, in a quick way in that I want to I want to understand I want to have comprehensive understandings of things and also I really enjoy um, etymology so I found that the best outlet for pursuing and for chasing this fulfillment that I was really craving and desiring was through this podcast because it is a long-form medium and it is a way for me to carve out quality time for myself with people that I care about and to spark my curiosity for words (laughs) and ideas really and concepts and it it's done all of those things and it's also been a huge source of accountability for me which is also something that I wanted to work on and to tackle with a project through let me play and I guess the reason that it had to be now was that I didn't, by the end of last year, I felt really good that I had accomplished. um, There were a lot of milestones, I guess, that I accomplished from a professional standpoint. Like by the end of, actually by like April of last year. So like this time last year, I had kind of ticked all of my New Year's resolutions or at least like goals for the year, like professional wise, um, which there weren't that many, but there were a few and there were things that I hadn't done before. So I had done those things and I was proud of myself for doing those things, but it wasn't anything that was really fulfilling. So I was getting further and further along as the year 
went by and really as as the years have been going by it wasn't just last year I think last year was just kind of the tipping point and I just realized that I to to be a little bit dramatic like I I just couldn't like go on like that you know like living for like living to fit the model of public and um corporate I guess um means of living because that there is like security and quality of life there but it's not something that's fulfilling to me so in order for me to be more fulfilled I decided that I needed to invest in myself and to figure out how I can blend the the two things of adulting and being fulfilled so that was the kind of inspiration for let me play and this is what it's manifested as and then it's been something really special and I'm I think that I'm definitely a better person for having done it well, I know you you are, and I can assure you that um, a lot of your guests and listeners are as well from uh, being along on the ride with you. <clears throat> and so I was curious to hear your thoughts. So for anybody listening who may also be interested in uh, maybe endeavoring into a season of change or more specifically their own journey um to find fulfillment what if they don't have um the ability or access to do a podcast what if they don't have the the connections and the people to to do something similar what are some things that people can do to maybe start um looking into mindfulness and fulfillment other than doing a podcast other than approaching it from the way you've approached the first thing that comes to mind is to acquire a sense of awareness with yourself and that can that point alone can be achieved in so many ways the simplest example is just being which works for me is to just be like quiet with myself and to think. And because what's what's important is that you need to find your authentic voice and explore the path of what is if you're first of all what are you lacking? Are you what is hurting you like what absence of something is hurting you in a certain moment or time of your life so for me it was fulfillment but for somebody else it might be something different so once you've found that answer how do you want to pursue it or attract it or whatever the verb is there like how do you want to chase it how can you let more of that thing into your life? 
And once you kind of have those two things in, in the vaguest, like most broad senses of the word, then I think you can go through and make it a more structured, fine-tuned process that is tailored to your specific needs. Because I can't go around and say, oh yeah, fixing a podcast will solve everything. Because that's absolutely not the case. And if it's not something, if it's not a skill that's in your wheelhouse, not that it's a hard skill to learn necessarily, but if it's not if it's not something that you feel compelled to do and you feel like it's a it's a road it's more of a nuisance or a roadblock for you or an obstacle that like hurts you more than it helps you then that you're everybody should i think people should try what they are interested in so if it is interesting then people should try whatever it is but if it's not and if it's more of a hurt than a help then that's okay and you can try to explore yourself in so many different ways um a lot of people i know are really uh they express themselves either through intense um art or through exercise or through filmmaking like yourself um there's just so many outlets so i guess the the simplest advice i can give from my perspective is to find something that will allow you find an outlet of some activity that will allow you to either attract or let in more of what you're lacking and I think that that's really as specific as I can get so for me in this moment it was this podcast which I never thought I would ever be creating a podcast like in this I would never I never thought that I was going to be creating in this medium at all but this medium aligned with the three things that I was chasing, the creativity, the curiosity, and the companionship in pursuit of the fulfillment. And so that's why the podcast felt right to me. So just really be in tune with yourself, know what you want and are lacking, and find an outlet of attraction for that thing. Would you say that <clears throat> I think that's all great. And I think for something I've had to really learn about myself to make that stuff more realistically able to do for me is to make sure that my goals are reasonable and reachable. Yes. I think that there's so many people who go on, I mean, every year, right? What's the new year resolutions? Like right? that's the thing, right? But like, they all, so many of them, quote unquote, fail pretty soon into the year. I mean, I, I'm guilty of that a million times over. But I think it's a, it's a big thing of, of setting un, realistically unreachable goals from where you are currently. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the thing about this podcast was very much done for to, to assist with accountability. And like you 
were really awesome at hitting your goals and making sure it was doable. And you had this movie pop up out of nowhere where you had this very fickle schedule where you were doing crazy overnights in the middle of Atlanta and like you adjusted and you did what you had to do um, to get it done. But the goals were challenging, but reachable. Mm -hmm. And so I think everything you said with the addition of realistically reachable goals is a great way um, for someone to start their journey to find blank. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything, um, everything is so much more achievable and so much more accessible if there's an element of realism to it or like of graspability, Mm -hmm. if that's a word. Um, it is now if it it hasn't been, Mm -hmm. um, because if, you don't have that momentum of achieving like the smallest thing uh, in relation to your endeavor, then it's not going to motivate you to eventually work up towards the, the bigger goals. So starting as small as possible is something that can be really helpful just from a mindset perspective because of that motivation factor. And also something that's completely sustainable. And I'm a, I've been approaching all of this from a lifestyle approach. So for me, it was very much how can I pursue and adapt and adopt a fulfilled life like it's not something that oh i've reached fulfillment and now i'm i'm at peace and i can go back to like you know back to the scheduled programming it's not what it is it's like a it's how can i find this and practice it every day and incorporate it and just live in a lifestyle that matches that and makes me feel that way more often than not. And so for me, chasing the sustainability has been something that's uh, difficult and tricky. And But that speaks to all of the, to really any goal that you have, like especially like, like you mentioned before, like a lot of people have um, fitness goals at the top of the year, or a lot of people have um, like dietary goals at the beginning of the year and so there's always people in the gym and there's always people like counting their macros or whatever but so many of them stop and so many of them change or just like let the habits go because either they aren't really their surface level goals like they're only they come from maybe a physique mindset or they come from some like outward perception and not an inward um, like consideration and observation and expression of what somebody really wants. So either they're not authentic to themselves or they're not sustainable goals like I'm gonna go to the gym for two hours every day okay but you might not be able to do that and that's just kind of 
that's just kind of how it is sometimes. So yes, I th- I completely agree. Like finding some element of sustainability and what that means to you, even if it's only I'm going to go to the gym half an hour once a week. Great. That's something that can be very attainable mm-hmm. and like alleviates the pressure. So yeah, I completely agree. Like finding the finding the right step to be challenged just enough to go outside of your comfort zone and to see progress to motivate yourself but also so that you can keep that progress growing no matter how small it is exactly the 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 progress has to be seen as a type of reward right and like oh absolutely and that for me and for many others that little reward is what turns that one visit a week that may turn into two visits a week eventually and that may you know and so no that's great that's great and so um speaking of fulfillment and and achievability and and all of these things that you've been chasing and doing um we are what what, three would you say three and a half months into let me play officially kind of about about yeah so i i really just want to I, I was curious, what are some some notable mental and physical things that you're proud of that you've achieved that are notable or, um, yeah, how's that going? And what have you learned about yourself from, from those perspectives? Yeah. Um, I've really just learned so much. The greatest thing that I've had to learn is more of a practice thing. And it's, I guess it all really comes back to the worth is that I am worth investing in, you know? Yeah. And I am appreciated in the right environments and in the right circles of people you know Mm -hmm. so all of the pursuits that i've had so far and have been fortunate to have going have been going on have kind of led me to the same those same conclusions in various ways um I had, before I did the podcast, I hadn't really been having long-form conversations with people, and I knew that that was something that I wanted to do or that I had really enjoyed doing a long time ago, Mm -hmm. but it just been getting less and less and less, and so when you don't do something for a very long time, you kind of lose that sense or you start to question did I ever really like that? Like, did did I kind of just do that to go through the motions? Maybe I didn't like it because I don't do it anymore. But every chat that I've had, I, it's been really special to me. And that, it just made me feel more like me and more authentic. So that was one success in that way, I would say. Another success is um i'm i i think i'm just going to start equating 
the worthiness, I guess, that I've felt with getting to be Porcupine, <laughs> which Porcupine is the name of the character that I was just standing in for on this film, which being a stand-in isn't like, it's not, um, it's not like being an actor or anything like that. It's, there's not really an element of prestige to it. So I don't want it to come off as that, but, but <laughs> for whatever reason, I get really emotional when I think of being porcupine <laughs> because her, um, everything about the experience of working on this film and of standing in for this character and of getting to like be her character in the like most distant way possible just to go through her blocking and to kind of like peek into her mind a little bit yeah and also of the appreciation that i received yeah from the rest of the crew and to see that my um efforts are also appreciated and that i'm also been wanted and enjoyed in this large circle of strangers that are now my friends um that also made me feel really worthy you know and of being um it made me want to act more from a place of love and encouragement and be more like me and i think that's the thing just been i've been a lot more in touch with myself and that's i think that's a major milestone to feel more my, like myself and to live more of an authentic life. That's awesome. That I, I haven't really thought about that factor much before you mentioned it, but you're totally right. The, the want to be wanted mm -hmm. um, can definitely, it is a huge factor in, 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 in how you view worth in a real time situation. And um and so yeah that's uh so you say that you you've come more in touch with yourself overall over this um over the past three or four months and being porcupine um because i remember you told me like many months ago like i just want to get on this movie in any way possible and then yeah, like, I did. <laughs> and then you just and then you like bulldozed your way in and then you're <laughs> jumping over things and running around and being um a very important part of the movie and so i can't wait to i can't wait to go see the movie whenever it comes out it's going to be so much fun it's going to be, be really cute yeah. and to like to further expand on that the physicality was something that was completely unexpected out of it and that alone made me feel so much more like me like the drive that i felt when i was doing those tiny little physical things um yeah like like you said before my i've been tracking this movie since september yeah 
of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and I just knew that I had to be on it. Like I felt this gut instinct that I needed to be on it. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to go into the next year and I hope that I get on it. I'm going to take steps to try and be on it, but I can't control whether I'm on it or not. Like I just, it's out of my control, but I can take the steps to try. And so, um, I tried in a few different ways. Some were like realistic than others. Uh, like I went, one of the things that wasn't like super realistic was that I bought roller skates and I was like, (laughs) I started like training with those because I saw they had been looking for roller skating dancers so I was like okay well maybe this is it but now I know a few roller skating dance moves but that wasn't the way but there was one day when um I had already submitted to a couple of things related to the project and I didn't get it I didn't get those things but there was one day where I woke up and I checked my email and I had an email that said availability check um for a hair and makeup test for porcupine and I saw that email just like the header and I got this like really warm feeling in just myself and I was like it was like I had remembered and I was like oh yeah I am porcupine you know and I don't know what that is but I just like from that even though nothing was confirmed at all like I still like that wasn't like oh you're hired like you're going to be working this whole movie now this was just like are you available for this one day of work but for whatever reason I just knew that I needed to be porcupine which is really weird (laughs) it's it yeah I get I get why you say that but like maybe it was just meant to be I like to think so. It's more fun to think so. And yeah. but it, I mean, it's been really special because like the um, like one, I've loved the book that this film is based on my whole life. And it's a children's book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that from working on this other project that we were a part of, you know, that I have quite an affinity and appreciation for children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh the character specifically in the way that it's manifesting in this movie is very physical. And uh, I wasn't expecting that because when you stand in for a character, usually what you're doing is you're just like going to the mark and letting the lighting crew and the camera crew like get their marks. And you might have to say a couple lines, but there's, there's not really any performance element to it. It's a crew position. But as soon as I got there on the first day, my action was, okay, you're running out of the house and you're going to hit this mark and you're going to react and then you're going to run backwards and then you're going to like run over here and then the stunt woman's going to come in and then she's going to like jump over this gate and do a roll and then scale the, scale the other gate. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just beautiful. And so every day that I got to come on to set was a new adventure. And I got to just like it was I got small moments of adventure in her blocking that the other characters didn't get. And that made me doing those little small things like 
it just made all, all of these physical things and adventurous things made me feel more like me and more authentic to myself. And so it's just been reassurance after reassurance that a life more authentic to me is a life more fulfilled. That's beautiful. That's, that's really awesome to hear. Um, <clears throat> so in my personal quest um, over the past few years to, I've, I've really been delving into, into love and um, self-love, uh, how I love others, how I receive love and all of these things. And I, I quickly came to learn that um, it's really impossible to love others as best as I can until I really learn how to love myself more, right? And so um, it kind of very unexpectedly turned 180 straight back at me and and I've really been having to to, to grow and 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 uh, learn more about myself and learn how to love myself better and as a result I've really come I really think that it has affected the way I express love and, and love others as well and so I say all that to say sir that like I, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on the relationship of love and worth mm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they had one, really, I guess. Like, I don't know if I would have articulated it in that kind of blunt way um, before, but I don't think that I really appreciated how much that they were related before... I really started paying attention to them and pursuing them both as the same thing. I think, I, I do think that the way I go about expressing and attracting and receiving love is different than most people do, or at least the way that is societally portrayed, like commonly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always been a really it's it's been a struggle for me honestly because the way that I go about love just in general is I feel like I have like utmost and authentic and real love like all of it for every person that I meet and like you start off with all of my love and I don't want to like sound like this happens a lot or that it's negative or that this is that I'm judging people really harshly but it only goes away or it only dwindles if you as a specific person are hurtful or harmful to me or to somebody else that I know. Like if you for bad behavior, I guess, for a, a, a simpler way to put it. Yeah. Um, and so I've always had this sort of unconventional approach, I guess, to, to 
expressing love and it's been hard for people to grasp I guess an understanding of that um but the flip side of that is that I didn't do the same thing I didn't approach it the same way from myself I approached for myself I approached it in this way in this sort of like nihilistic or existential way of I am a human I'm a person but I am no more a person than Jeremy is a person or than anybody else is a person. Uh, like any of these crew members are people or any of these people at Quick Trip are people <laughs> or, you know, just mm-hmm. anybody out in the world is right. a person. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think I've relied a lot more on... If we're all just people, then I would rather be kinder and be sweeter and be more helpful and more generous towards people who aren't me because I, for the most part, I'm okay. Like, I just, I've been fortunate to be like, okay, you know, my, my whole life, but because I was always dismissing, like, care, I guess. Um, I, I never really, like, learned. I never really learned my worth, really. Um, and so I guess I just started attracting or putting myself into comfort Um, comfort zones where my worth was determined by how much work I did and the work that I did well. And I would make friends based off of how much they liked my work and not of do they like me as a person. Um, And so I never really felt, I felt like I was giving all of my love to people all the time just because that's how I operate, (laughs) even if it's not like an obvious expression. But it in each of these situations, it was like draining for me because it was my work was appreciated, but I wasn't necessarily. And so chasing this fulfillment where my work is my play and my play is my work and both of those things determine my authenticity which my authenticity is my worth it just i think all of those things really clicked and made me realize that i i am worthy so and it sounds like a pretty like i don't know and potentially an egocentric or an egotistical thing to say, but I actually see it as the opposite. I see it as an ego death. So, which psychologists will say, uh, it's a pretty noble pursuit. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so myself. I would say so myself. That's awesome. That's, that's really, it's really interesting to hear from that perspective. That's awesome. So, I uh, 
do you think that would you say that your friends and your companions are factors in how you see worth yeah yeah absolutely because people who are they help anybody who is a friend and i'm keeping friend separate from companion which uh to get a more deep, uh, comprehensive understanding of my understanding of companionship, you should go listen to the companionship episode, which features Jeremy, because I do consider Jeremy a companion. Um, but keeping them separate, where essentially friendship is just amicable, comes from a full place of love, but companionship is more of an understanding thing, more well-rounded and deeper. Um, both friends and companions to me have give me sources of encouragement and also reassurance which I've come to realize in the past year or so that I need I do need encouragement and reassurance sometimes um because I get in my head a lot so but they're different outlets so um a companion who is somebody that I feel safe confiding in can give me, can listen to what I have to say and can really try and wrap their head around what I'm saying, why I'm saying it, potentially like what I'm feeling and maybe they can relate to it in some way and can reassure me that my feelings are valid and that I am worth like feeling those things and that I'm also worth figuring out those things if they're struggles. Um, and in some cases that I'm worth more than those things. <laughs> um, but a friend who's more of, um, not surface level, but just not quite a deep connection. Maybe they're just somebody that I've met. Like a lot of the people that I met on set um, are at this point just more so in the friend category, right. which is still a, a category I adore. Um, we all start off there to some degree, right? Yeah, in the friend category, yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Um, but a friend, friends are so important too because they can, especially if they've only just met you, they can, their words of objectivity are really important, I think. And like working on this movie where I I approach a set like, okay, here, <laughs> my first day on set, I was... Uh, there was a while before they needed me. And so I was literally like, I knew nobody. And so I was just kind of like standing at this like literal stop sign. And I was just like scoping out the whole crew. And I was like, okay, here's all my friends that aren't my friends yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of the case because the, the friends that are, that you haven't made yet and the ones that are have like just recently become your friends their words have a lot of meaning to you because they are speaking about their perception of you 
from a short exposure time. And so I found myself just being immediately appreciated and immediately like people were coming up and introducing themselves to me and talking to me and like they wanted me to feel like I was a good like like that I was welcome basically and I really bonded with other stand-ins of course because I am I've been a stand-in so that's my department and uh they would just out of their own volition, like I don't, I would never pressure anybody to say anything like kind or sweet about me. Um, but they all said really kind and sweet things and they gave me lots of hugs and like warmth and, um, and like thinking about those things, like makes me a little bit emotional because I like love, them all so much and for them to only know me for a couple weeks and to only um we're not even like working together every day but to see the amount of love I guess that they carry for for everyone but also including me in that has been something that I don't take um lightly so yes, to answer your question, the the both the friends and the companions that I have made in these past three or so months have been really important on helping me find my worth, especially because it's been more comfortable for me to surround myself with people who um like it's not that they're not appreciative but they don't give back to me in the same ways that I want to be there for them I've had the the opportunity to meet your your sister a couple times now and um it's just so I always love meeting my friends and my companions like family members like there's this um, I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso, but there's this, uh, not yet, but I need to, <laughs> there's this line in there, um, when he's, uh, like one of his coworkers, moms is coming to the office and he's like, I love meeting people's mamas. It's like, it's like reading a, an instruction manual for your friend. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like, I, I always love meeting uh, friends' family, and it's just always interesting. And and so I say all that to say that, like, <clears throat> it seems like a, a common one of the common denominators between you and your siblings is creativity. And not a lot of families have all the kids share, like, the creativity gene. And so this, this question is kind of uh, two-parted, mm -hmm. but what was that – how do you think that came to be and what was that like having creative siblings? And also on top of that, I just kind of want to hear what life was like growing up in Mebbin and, and, and your family and, um, you know, kind of what led you to chase creativity as a livelihood. Mm. Well, growing up in Mebbin was not a very nurturing place for creativity, to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
where not that it creativity wasn't appreciated because it was and there were ample opportunities for me to be creative uh like at school and things like that um and I was always in uh my parents were good about enrolling me in dance courses and things that spoke to the creative sides of me that I guess that they could see in me or I guess in all of us uh when we were little but Mebane itself is just this tiny little truck stop town although it's a lot bigger now but when I was growing up um it was very tiny and there just wasn't um there wasn't a big emphasis on creativity in uh in the curriculums I guess uh and in day-to-day living as you got older the there was more so an emphasis on uh like sports which I guess makes sense because that's kind of a you know like a a community thing like uh, everybody's got to go to the the football games the high school football games yeah Yeah, Friday Night Lights all that sort of stuff um but so I guess I felt the most in tune with my creativity and I considered myself a creative person in elementary school which makes sense because there were often like often the classwork were art projects and things like that and we had the electives that everybody had to go to were included like music and included art and I was in the chorus club I was in the clogging club I was taking dance classes I was in gymnastics like I was doing all these really creative things and then as I got older into middle school there were still art there there was still creativity but it was less than elementary school and then when I got to high school there was even less and so the it seemed like the priorities were changing and the boxes that I was getting put into were less and less creative and more and more just like societally acceptable I guess um or that they were trying to like put me in a machine to become something else so I honestly just like lost touch with my creativity and um and I don't know if that's like as a result of being in Mebbin specifically but it's it's definitely a result of being spoon-fed the same like core classes every day every year for 12 years you know, with less and less of a creative emphasis as you go. And honestly, by the time I got to college, I didn't know if I was a creative person or not. Like, I knew that I had this innate need to create and to make things, but I didn't know if the way I went about needing to create meant that I was creative at all. And so it really harmed my identity, I guess, and my sense of self because people would 
say, oh, you're creative. And I'd be like, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, then there's a whole pressure to, like, match the observation that people have. Like, oh, you're creative. Now create. Like, you are the creative person, so you have to create. Um, so there was that whole thing. And then also being told that you're creative, but you're not creative enough because the pool, the outlets of creativity are so small um, that they can only support a couple of people who are creative in certain ways. And then to be told creative, but you're not creative enough for this thing or you're not um, artistic enough for that. Um, or there are accolades, but you don't deserve them. Uh, but also creation should just be something like natural within you that you should like allow more of yourself into the world. So um, all of that is to say, I don't think that my relationship with creativity has been, um, healthy really all of the time even though I know that it's something that is, uh, like, that I need and that I need to express myself through. But in terms of my specific family, we were kind of a bubble, I guess, in Mebane and in Elements County in that my whole family is super creative. Like... Um, we each have individual areas that we really like to, that compel us to create and that we tend to create in. And so growing up in a household that was very supportive of pursuing creative endeavors was always very encouraging. Like I always felt like I could come home and uh, like draw if I wanted to or like paint if I wanted to or like play with Play-Doh or like um, or like make a little movie on the camcorder or like if like any way that I wanted to create I felt safe in doing so which was really good and it was also it was also really cool to see each of us, each of my members of my family create in ways that are authentic to them. And they still do. And they still do. Um, with Laura specifically, my sister, she has um, found uh, collage to be her medium of choice recently. And it's been really a beautiful thing to see her develop that craft and to see her really lean into herself in that way. Um, and while growing up, it had been a little bit not discouraging, but a little bit stressful, I guess, to see her do so like wonderfully and beautifully with with each of her artistic pursuits just because completely out of insecurity of my self like not thinking that 
I was like my creative actions were, I guess, like worth as much as hers um, or that mine just like weren't as good, even though they were completely separate. It was just insecurity. I it's I'm really glad that I've. I'm really glad that she's been able to continue just forging the path for herself and creating that creative space and like really leaning into the mediums that she wants to lean into. And I'm glad for myself that I am at a point now where my worth is separate from my like creative capacity you know where Mm -hmm. it's not tied to it and that makes me able to appreciate not only Laura's work but also um my brothers my parents my um my my friends your creative work everybody that I come around so it's been a tough relationship I guess with creativity and like confusing Mm -hmm. a lot of the time to be quite frank but I know the constant in it has been that it's in me like and it's not something like it's something that's natural to me and it's not something that I need to focus on like measuring you know it's more something that i i can appreciate it in um in different ways it's part of you it's part of me when things are a part of you you get to look at them and and experience them from different vantage points and and grow with it and and kind of um yeah i i guess for me in creativity it's it's a constant real time changing mindset and how you look at it and how it looks at you and how it affects you negatively, positively, whatever. So I, I get what you're saying. Totally. Um, in a previous episode, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember which one exactly, but I remember you saying that in friendships and in companionships, and I would assume like all kinds of relationships other than familial uh, that like growth, um, is a big part of your relationships. And that when, that when you stop growing in any fashion that, you know, that's kind of a sign for you, whether it's the environment or relationship, whatever, maybe it's time for you to go. Do you think that some environments slash relationships, do you think that some of them have, will always have an expiration date or are there things that um, two friends or two parties can do to maybe combat that a little bit, if that makes any sense at all? Well, my instinct is to say that I hope not. (laughs) Like I hope in all of the friendships that i pursue or relationships that I pursue I don't ever want them to end like I never want them to end 
and and in some cases it makes sense for them to end and in some cases it's 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 just laziness or just like disinterest or you know the same people grow apart um but there's if i have to think in concrete terms i don't think that there are like many reasons why a friendship has to end um or a relationship has to end versus turning into just something like manifesting in a different way Mm -hmm. like turning into something else because i would love to i i really love the sentiment of growing individually together you know yeah you know um or another way to look at it maybe from a more uh potentially like a career standpoint is if I'm a little train on a train track, I'm on my track. And I would love if you on your track could hang out and like be not on my track, but like by my track and we could like go down this, go down the countryside together, mm-hmm. go to the island of Sodor or whatever. Um, but you're on your track and I'm on my track. So if I'm going to go through a tunnel and you're going to go on a bridge, then that's what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? But knowing that the tracks could come back together mm-hmm. or cross, you know, at any point. And so I really put an emphasis on making sure that there aren't, that there are, um, more crossovers than walls and making sure that that's that I am somebody that people can come back to. Um, so I don't think that it ever, and I really don't like to speak in superlatives, but it's hard for me to imagine like, unless there's a really horrible situation that that ever needs to be completely closed off. I feel you. I feel you. So over, like we've said before a couple of times, between you and me specifically, so like we've been friends for, I was trying to think about it the other day, I think it's like four years now. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, but it wasn't until essentially like, around christmas time ish that we really became like companions i i would have to say yeah and so one of the things that i really enjoy talking to about is how we're both uh philomaths and how um the desire to learn and continuing our our education is just so important to us individually um it's like one of my favorite things about you is like your desire to go out of your way to either learn something about something or something about someone Mm. or something about yourself or what have you and so like um why is learning so important to you but on top of that like why do you think it's important for everyone to kind of always keep learning Learning, 
guess is important to me and has always been important to me because I, hmm, like learning begets more learning, you know, it's a positive feedback loop. Like you can never know everything. And the more you learn about something, the more you can learn about something. And it's just like, and the more you learn, the more you turn into this well-rounded shape. So I'm, I like to say I'm an aspiring sphere because <laughs> I want to be, I used to say an aspiring circle, but then I realized that that's, that's two-dimensional. Whereas like if you start learning about something, then you realize that there's all these dimensions that you don't know about it. Like for example, with post-production, which is what I was pursuing, uh, what I really have been pursuing since I graduated, but there's, um, when post people think about post-production, they think of editing. Yes, post-production, editing is a huge part of post-production, but post-production is also color grading and post-production is also visual effects um, and credit sequences um, and sound design and all of these other things. And so you start to see that, okay, maybe there's, there's a few more departments in inside of this one department or this one process, but then there's departments in those departments and there's different jobs within those departments and there's different, um, jobs within those jobs and there's different tasks and there's different then you get into softwares and hardwares and equipment and workflows and the more you learn about a topic the more there is to learn about a topic and it's always been really exciting for me to learn and to deepen my understanding about each of these realms like no matter the subject not just post-production this is a constant um in how I just appreciate and go about like learning about things is that I really feel like I'm learning when I can start to understand the more finite details about something and that's really exciting to me and it, it is a source of fulfillment um and it does make me feel like I'm a little bit more well-rounded and that I have an appreciation for whatever I'm learning about and I think that appreciation is important because it feeds back into my wanting to approach everybody with just like love and warmth and appreciation. So I think it all is just a natural thing that comes together and for me manifests in wanting to learn and to grow. You've been growth and, and all of the elements of growth have been evidently very big for you over the past um, three or four months. And so um, <clears throat> from your 
uh, your launch party to to seeing all of your your awesome updates on your socials every week. Um, what are some what are some abilities or or things that I, I want to hear you talk about a couple of things you're proud of mm. that that affect how you view worth like i just want you you've done so many things uh physically and and you're you're just coming up with all of these um these thoughts and ideas from doing this podcast every week and i just kind of want to hear you brag about yourself for a second oh that's really sweet that's going to be really unnatural but i'll try (laughs) (laughs) um i guess like in terms of physicality stuff i'm really proud of myself for doing this weightlifting program um weightlifting was something that I've been interested in since high school but I didn't think that I was good enough to take the weightlifting class I'm gonna be like really frank and say that um there was one there there were other girls who were in it um but for whatever reason I just cut myself out of it and told myself I wasn't good enough to be in it so I just didn't do it. And because I didn't do it there, I didn't feel like I was worthy of using the equipment at my college's gym, which would have been great because that gym is immaculate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was in the gym a lot, but for different reasons. Um, But so I was really proud of myself for doing this weightlifting program and I'm on track to finish it. I only have two more weeks left. Um, and from there I'll just do another one, but this first one's really important Mm -hmm. because it's me. Um, it's been me proving to myself that I am like worthy of doing, I'm worthy of weightlifting. Even just like in a basic, like super, like it's not even all, it's not even like super exciting, but just the fact that I am like giving myself permission to do that um, after 10 years of not, after 10 years of saying that I wasn't, um, is pretty momentous, I would say, in a small way. And also that I can feel myself getting stronger with each time. And that I'm enjoying it, you know, and I like the results of it. And it all helps the other physical things that I'm doing. Like another thing that I'm proud of is taking, starting the Aikido training. Because that was another thing that I was interested in in high school, but it just didn't work out um and then I wanted to take the my college had an Aikido class but I got um and I wanted to take that for PE but I got pushed into taking um swimming instead but I already knew how to swim just because that's how colleges go and so I got um discouraged from it for again about like 10 or so years and so now I'm finally getting to to dabble in it a little bit. Um, and with the, and so with Aikido and then also with gymnastics, which I had a little bit of prior training in, um, and with a couple of other things, I guess I'm most 
proud of um, feeling like I deserve to be in the space that I'm taking up. You know, like I, it's kind of a silly thing to say, but like for the gymnastics specifically, like I paid the $10 to be here, so I deserve to be here. And it doesn't need to be any more than that. Like there's that I shouldn't put the pressure on me. There shouldn't be pressure on me to go and use all of the apparatuses or the pieces of equipment or, you know, um, or talk to all of the people and network and socialize and be a butterfly. No, you just paid the $10 and that was your $10. So be in the space and get what you want in this moment out of the space. And that's been a really big thing that I've had to overcome because the first time I walked into the gymnastics center, I was like, like verge of tears the whole time. Like (laughs) it was a really hard thing for me to do because I felt like I didn't deserve to be there, you know? And so just like claiming or reclaiming this sense of worth and um, breaking it down into more logistical things and also, um, reclaiming my play is, have been my greatest accomplishments or the things that I'm most proud of in this, in these past couple of months. Reclaiming parts of yourself and silencing your inner critic are incredibly difficult things to do. And I myself, it's taken me decades to even address some things within myself that I know I need to to work on, right? And so that, everything you just said, um, it segues into what I want to talk about next. And it's pretty much, I just want to go deeper into, as you get older and as you start learning more about yourself, what, like, how do you silence that critic? Like, how do you shut it up for a second so you can start that process of reclaiming parts of yourself that you want or need back. Um, maybe just um, a, a tip or two if you have one for somebody who who also needs assistance in, in just getting that inner critic to be silent for just a second so they can start figuring out what direction they need to go in. Mm. My instinct is to say to prove that it's wrong and that can be in different different ways in different situations and also for different people. Like for the gymnastics, I had to – that wasn't something that I could just put a Band-Aid over and be like, oh, no, you're fine. Like you just go do your own thing and then it'll be fine. It wasn't that that worked even though that was true. What worked is the logistical, like hard, concrete, like objective fact that I gave them $10. Like it was a transactional thing. And so I had to actually remove myself and my insecurities and my personality away from the situation in order for me to be okay with even just taking up that space. And so that strategy has worked in a lot of the activities, I guess, that I've pursued because uh, as a degree of worth, 
they kind of, um, you kind of, you do, a lot of them are transactional in that you are paying for a service or a, a space or something like that. So actually the financial aspect of it has kind of helped me to know that if I can, like the money that I make, I can use it to invest in things that I deem are worthy. And in this case, being myself. So that has helped me. But that, but of course, like money is not the solution to to everything and really to most things, I would say. Um, but proving that that voice is wrong in some capacity, no matter what it is. And I think it can start small. Like if you have a lot of, um, a really good exercise that I did actually in the beginning of the year, um, when I was in this, uh, Challenge Accepted Academy program was a reframing negative beliefs exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a negative beliefs, it was a limiting beliefs. And so the exercise was basically, it challenged you to confront or to address three or so limiting beliefs that you have about a specific opportunity or challenge or something that's confronting you and address like three essentially fears or limiting beliefs about yourself that you have in that moment. Um, so, and then after you address those fears or limiting beliefs, then, um, then you get the chance to go through each of them and positively reframe them. So taking the emotion out of it, looking at it objectively, but from a kinder perspective towards yourself. And then from there, writing out at least one teensy tiny baby actionable step that you can take to help get that um, to get that ball rolling, or at least to help you change your mindset. So for example, um, mine, because I was doing it with, um, the challenge that I was facing was launching, not only launching this podcast, but having to celebrate myself for launching the podcast, uh, which I did through a virtual launch party in the digital world of Topia, my limiting belief was that the party itself would be like a dud, I guess, or it just would be kind of like awkward and it wouldn't be like a fun thing. It would be a stressful and kind of like shameful <laughs> thing. Um, and I just like what it just wouldn't feel like me. Um, and I didn't think that anybody would want to come honestly, because it was, it felt gross. Um, and like, why would they want to like come and support this thing? It's a little bit silly, but 
my positive reframe on that was that, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big ask for people to like log into this website and like come to this thing and like it's it's kind of a big ask but like the people who will come and are interested in coming and do show up or at least send you messages the people who are there are there because they really believe in you and they want to support you and they really care and hearing myself like comfort myself in that way and reframe it like that just allowed me to move forward in taking the steps I needed to take to throw the party and also to realizing like when people show up, it matters, you know, and, um, like, and not in physical ways either, but when people go out of their way to support you in any way, regardless of whether they could attend a party or not, then that shows you that they really do care. And that's what's more important. So, Using that example, I would say that I found a lot of value in this reframing negative beliefs um, exercise, and so that might be more of a concrete way for people to think about reclaiming some of these things for themselves. Would you say that... After that reframed train of thought, which I think is beautiful, when you have that retrained thought and then like I was there, like it was a great party <laughs> and, and there's just so much love and I got to meet so many of your friends who um, come from other parts of your life um, and like does it, does did it make it more, even more special do you think, like in your opinion to a degree when you let go of the the worry of oh my god no one's going to show up if they do it's going to be weird like when you don't worry about that and then everything you wanted happened like i'm sure the night overall was was special for you but did it did it take it up a notch in any way when you you know when you think of it that way yeah absolutely it was so special it was so special and really all of my like anxiety about the situation like disappeared as soon as I saw like the first little topi <laughs> like appear in the world yeah. uh, because at that point you just kind of have to deal with the events as they're happening and like troubleshoot is needed and like it's a funny situation so when things are weird it's like <laughs> it's just like all you can do is laugh yeah so um all of my fears like went went out the window like as soon as the party actually started uh but and then when it did start because i was so it just made me have so much appreciation 
for each little topi that came in because each little topi was a little person and <laughs> like they didn't have to be there they didn't they went like nobody had to be there but all of these people chose to be there and the people that weren't there but still cared showed me in different ways that they cared. They, I had so many like text messages coming in and I had people writing me in various ways and, um, and supporting in others. And, um, it just, once I reframed and chose to appreciate and to see people's the people who cares efforts and not the people who didn't cares inactions, then it just gave me a sense of comfort and security and safety, I think. And it really gave me the space to be present and to really express myself authentically and to take some of the walls down, I guess. So, yeah, it was a really beautiful moment, and I'm so glad that I was challenged to throw that party and to and to celebrate myself. You were worth celebrating, Sarah. Mm. We had so much fun that was it was just so unique and just so much and you could feel the support and warmth and happiness through um, the screen, for sure. Mm, for I'm sure. I'm glad you feel that way, because I sure did. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part was the multiple dance parties. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really exciting to see everybody, like, throwing down in the bouncy house. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a really lot of fun. Cute. A lot of fun. And I also loved... Um, I also loved that I was able to find a platform that felt authentic to me because I think that was my main struggle where I really didn't want to do a Zoom party. Yeah. Like that felt like the death of me. <laughs> like have, forcing myself to celebrate myself and then throwing a Zoom party. Yeah. Would have, like I was really scared of that. Yeah. But once I found this Gamify platform – and I gamified it even more by making it a little scavenger hunt yeah. uh, for the, the clips and things. It just felt like each of those choices felt more like me. And I felt better and better with each definitive choice I made. That's great. Because it was all Sarah Isley. <laughs> like when you, when you saw your design and all that all that stuff. It was very much you. And I think the stuff that you added, like one of my favorite things that you put in there that I'm not going to say surprised me, but I also real because you said you put it in very last was your, your Google, your Google photo album. Yeah. Yeah. And there is one clip that I remember very specifically where you did a front flip. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, rem I remember your face. Mm when you landed it and there was like a little bit of surprise maybe mm. and a little bit of and a lot of happiness and a lot of yeah it was just so when comparing that to a zoom party where like 
a dozen people will just be looking at each other like no i feel you that would have been pretty tough for for like to host just that but like i mean i didn't even know gamified platforms like that existed and i had so much fun and i remember so much of it and i think you did a great job mm, um thank you yeah well, that front flip was really if you want to talk like specific like moments of pride that front flip was really important to me because that was the first one that i had done and landed since high school wow and I just like I've been to trampoline parks and things and I've like done like I've been on trampolines like since high school but I guess it's like a space thing and a permissions thing and a worth thing like I didn't think that I was like good enough to like do front flips anymore mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. and so I just didn't so giving myself permission to go to the gymnastics place and to, there was <laughs> what you didn't see in that clip was 10 minutes of anticipation and several takes of me like trying to get the flip but knowing that I could get the flip because I've done the flip before yeah. like it's not a, like a skill thing it's just it's more of a mind thing sure. at yeah. that point um but getting that flip and I really was happy that I got it on camera um was really special because that was it was a it was a definitive moment of reclaiming and there have been a couple of more moments like that that I I didn't quite get my expression on camera but I did like capture the first time I did something else like there was another like I did a gymnastic skill that I had never done before um a couple weeks ago for the first time um that I was really again like really surprised but also proud and happy that I got because it was a skill that I would have learned had I not been um taken out of gymnastics or discouraged by the people who were supposed to be teaching me gymnastics that I wasn't worth teaching you know so all of these little moments have been I've been trying to really treasure them so thank you for acknowledging them you're very welcome you're so welcome Going off of your most recent episode, gratitude, how does, how is gratitude related to to worth, Sarah? And does the challenge of being grateful during difficult moments or challenging seasons of your life, does that influence how you view worth, whether self-worth or worth towards things out in the world, things like that? Well, unlike my relationship with or understanding of love and worth, I think um, gratitude and worth are completely related, if not synonymous, Um, because I don't think that I at least am able to understand inherent worth in something unless I have some level of appreciation or gratitude for it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Like I don't feel like I can be completely present in the situation if I'm not grateful to be there on some level. And it doesn't have to be something that I'm conscious of. I don't have to be like, oh, wow, I'm so grateful to be here in this moment and look at me I'm gratitude I'm walking gratitude here (laughs) but it does have to come out in some expression of appreciation like I and I feel like I am able to appreciate in a lot of different capacities Um, the first the thing that's coming to mind the most um, was last July when I had the completely random and crazy and beautiful opportunity to go down to Colombia. And part of my expedition there was getting to go uh, whitewater rafting in one of the rainforests in the river. And in addition to that just being like a very stimulating thing, the whole excursion through all the twists and the turns and all of the the climbing and the swimming and the unexpected adventuring, um, I was just completely in awe of the surroundings that I was in and of the nature and the beauty and like the rawness of just like being out there like thrown into the into the jungle like literally yeah Um, yeah and all I could feel while I was in the jungle and like drifting down the well not drifting like getting thrown yeah (laughs) down down this river and um exploring these kind of ravines and everything was just that I was so glad to be there and I was really trying to be calm and present in the moment and take everything in and just not think and just do you know um and because I did that I that was such a beautiful experience to me like not like letting any worry that I had exist but acknowledging it and then dismissing it Mm -hmm. and letting the beauty of the situation compel me to act throughout um so i'm not really sure if that answers your question it does but that's where my mind that was the first place that my mind went and there have been other experiences like that um that was kind of my whole attitude yesterday on my my last day of filming where we got to uh do things that i didn't think that they would let the stand-ins do for safety reasons yeah (laughs) and um just kind of like brought the whole uh it made the um getting to do these various things um made the uh whole experience just feel like it had closure you know so I try to go into everything that I do with appreciation and through appreciation and through gratitude I 
tend to find more worth, I think. I think you just accidentally gave the instructions on how to stop and smell the roses. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> For real. I think you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guess so. I, I, I don't guess. see how like that is. That's what I that phrase is what I think of of what like you know mm, hearing mm-hmm. everything you just said it makes total sense mm, um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and that's actually really interesting too because i found part of all of this that i wasn't it wasn't something that i was conscious of until i realized that it was happening mm-hmm. was that i have lived my life up until these past couple of months um like acting out of urgency Mm -hmm. like i mean and i think a lot of people do like most people do at least in this country Mm -hmm. where you know every to wake up to go to work in the morning most people use an alarm hot take i don't think you should be alarmed to wake up like i (laughs) you should just wake up you know but so i've like i now have this app on my phone where it gradually wakes me up over like five to ten it can be 30 minutes if i want it to Mm -hmm. but like five to ten minutes and then i've also found that um when i don't do this all the time but i have but on days where it's feasible and makes sense to and is sustainable, like we were talking before, I'll wake up really early, like before my call time and go to the gym because uh, like at right when it opens at like five in the morning, because uh, I found that for whatever reason, if I exercise for two hours and then I come back and I can shower and then I can have my little hot chocolate and do my journal thing, then I can slowly wake myself up over a period of four hours and then not feel rushed to get in the car to go as opposed to being alarmed by my alarm clock and then pressing snooze several times and then rolling out of bed, throwing everything on in 15 minutes and then running out the door and then still being in traffic and then like almost late. So the stopping and smell the roses... I guess has been like the sentiment that I've been living by without really knowing for the past few months or so because I've I've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot of stuff and I've been very busy but at a slow pace. You don't hear that. Yeah. Often, <laughs> which is like it's awesome you, you watching you go about this and documenting it is it's inspiring others sarah it's Mm. making others challenge a lot of things about their own lives and a lot of things about themselves that you know when i say they i mean me so right (laughs) um and so yeah it's it's admirable and it's it's infectious Mm. and um yeah so Well, I'm glad that it can be of help to you. I've actually had, I've been surprised with the warmth that I've received from it. And not not only just the, 
warmth because I guess I was expecting some level of at least like surface level oh that's cool like neat right. that you're doing that like you know just like checking up on things yeah. but I've received a lot of um like oh this made me think about that in a different way right or, like this concept was you're right like there that is something interesting to think about or yeah. um one of the comments was that I got was uh you really helped me uh, to play myself, you know, like from somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really going into this expecting to hear those things because I was just trying to do it for myself. Like it came out of purely selfish <laughs> reasons. Right. Um, but I think because they came out of genuine selfishness and wanting to wanting to um preserve and also propel the parts that i love about myself and wanting to put more of those elements into the world i think that other people there's something about the authenticity there that um other people are able to relate to so it means a lot for me to hear you say that and to hear other people say that as well. Would you say that selfishness, and I don't mean like in a negative connotation, but do you think that being selfish is an important ingredient for proactive personal growth? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't no, mean no, to no. Up. <laughs> no, you, you go ahead. Go that ahead. was, sorry, you know that I'm a Slytherin. And so as... <laughs> You're all good. Dude. So I heard that and I was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because... Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> well, so Slytherins, okay, a Slytherin for people who might not be familiar, although this is the third podcast where Harry Potter houses have been mentioned, <laughs> um, uh, is uh, notoriously like the evil house in the Harry Potter world world because all of the villains were in Slytherin house and what they're really known for a lot of the time is being very cunning and being very selfish but in like the negative uh sense of the word where they'll step on everybody to get ahead and you know they'll put other people down and um but that's not really the case or it, I mean it isn't some people if, but you can't paint in a broad brush because the other side of that is being self-aware and selfish in a positive or a more off like just having a more authentic and prideful sense of self and using addressing like your own needs before uh you try and uh help another um like a bigger situation you know um and i've found that i operate best and more naturally from that um perspective like and it's but to conflict with that I've only been able to do that or I'm most I guess I'm most comfortable doing that in a work situation like when there's money involved and it's a job and it's a prestige thing um and so 
in those situations, for whatever reason, I guess, because I've that's what's been taught to me. That was my learned behavior. Um, and that was my model. That was what was modeled to me to like fit into society or whatever. It's really easy for me to know my worth in business situations or in jobs or um, to remove myself because that is self-care from jobs that I no longer are of service to me or I feel like I won't be of service to them. Um, And so all of that has come very natural to me. And I think that that's, that can be a good thing if you are, if you are, um, if you go about it from in the right ways, like in the most like amicable ways. Um, but it's been really challenging because I've, it's, I, it's, (laughs) it's funny how easy for me it is to do that in those situations and how hard it is for me to do it. And, um, in social or emotional situations because I don't have that practice, but I'm pursuing it and I'm gaining it. So, um, yeah, sorry to cut you off in your question, but I heard that and I was like, yes. <laughs> you're all good. No need to apologize. You, it was just, yeah, you're all good. Okay, that's, good. That's, what, that's what I was looking for. Great. I, um, no, I, I totally agree with you because um, a, a train of thought that I have been <clears throat> really implementing in myself as I've been uh, chasing my career over the past five years. Um, you know, I, I don't have a significant other. I don't have a kid. I don't have a mortgage. And like, I, it, it's the perfect time for me to be selfish right now. And yeah. I have been very selfish. I have chased everything, you know, and it's, my ability to to you know like similarly with you in Colombia, it's there have been many gigs where it's like you know like can you get to dallas by tomorrow night and stuff like that and it's it's hard to do things and i and i and i went you know what i'm saying like and i was i was in texas the next day yeah. and it's hard to do things like that when we are in chapters of our life when we cannot be that selfish Mm -hmm. you know and so Mm -hmm. so yeah and but yeah no that was that was awesome Mm -hmm. that was awesome so um i want to read you a quote and i and i want to just kind of talk about it for a second after okay okay so quote we have a tendency to look around at what others are doing and use them as a standard of comparison Focus on what makes you happy and do what gives meaning to your life. Tell tell me about that quote and how special it is to you. And yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's a super special one. It's super special because it Every time I hear it, it reminds me that um, that we need to, or I guess that I need to um, just like stay more in tune with myself and be 
more confident in the path that I am taking. And I know that I can put myself into other boxes. And um, those boxes aren't, they're not ever going to fit. You know, they're not ever going to fit. And so I can try and try and try and put myself into more and more boxes and to back myself into more and more corners. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not the crate on the, I'm not the boxcar in the train. I'm the train itself, you know? And so I just have to keep moving forward on the track. It's awesome. Yeah. If you've ever seen Sarah's senior film, I think you, the creation of Let Me Play is a little less surprising. Um, would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love Torn. I love Torn a lot. And that quote was at the end of my um, my short film that I made in in school. And um, that that film's available to to watch. It's called Torn, but it was all about um, it was all about like the overwhelming sense of choices that are available to make at any given moment, and. Uh, the pressure that one can feel when trying to not only just like pick out whatever type of pizza they want at Papa John's or whatever, but also like what type of person you want to be. So anyway, um, it's always a, it's always a special thing to think about. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So <clears throat> We're, we're, we're winding down now. Mm. And so Sarah Isley has, has the Let Me Play project been worth it so far? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I can confidently say that because I can see how much it's done for me and I can also, and I also feel good about it and want to make more of it, you know? And if it was, if it wasn't something that was good, I would be counting down the days or be like, okay, I'm almost done. And then I never want to do it again. Whereas with this, I've been sort of counting down the weeks so that I can have a break. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's been, but I already have like a list of people for further seasons and I have a list of a hundred words that I could talk about. And so it's been worth it for the podcast to create in a different medium. It's been worth it for the friendships and companionships I've been able to kindle and rekindle. It's been worth it for the accountability and the other sort of soft skills that it's forcing me to practice. And it's also worth it because it helps me feel like porcupine and feel like me. 
So <laughs> I would say that it's definitely been, it's been worth it for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So myself and your listeners, um, we've been curious what, <clears throat> what side quests are you going to be going on and what are you just going to be up to in between seasons? And also, is there anything about season two that we can look forward to or, you know, all that fun stuff? Oh, wow. Well, in terms of side quests, the thing I like about the concept of that is that I kind of want them to come completely out of the blue. So I don't really have any of those like planned out. Okay. I kind of just want them to come up um, naturally. But uh but that's really exciting to me because I feel like that they can be anywhere and any anything um like the the human design was completely random but it was so fun um so there'll definitely be more of those I just can't like yeah <laughs> I know nothing about them. yeah um but uh in terms of my other endeavors I'm actually going to keep recording episodes uh, just naturally as they present themselves and hold on to them until I have about five or six. Um, and then once I have that number, I'll, I'll start releasing again. So uh, I'm not, I don't know what the timetable is there, but the guests that I have so far um jay will probably be back uh and at this point she'll have she'll have a baby so mm. that'll be an exciting point of growth yeah. <laughs> for her um so, my sister laura who i briefly mentioned um is kind of on a world tour at the moment but when she comes back she'll be a guest uh my buddy tanner um who went to school with me is coming down for the atlanta film festival which is in a couple weeks so he'll be on as well and um and i'm hoping that a few people from the crew that i was on will be will would like to to come and play <laughs> too so i don't know i just it feels Right. And then I'm also going to be, um, and just in myself, I'm going to keep training, like keeping all my physical training going and trying to figure out, um, a sustainable pattern and routine for myself and like what's most aligning and also taking more baby steps to figuring out like what's, what's best for me and what adventures lie ahead. So all of this is feeding into each other. All of it's very abstract, but I feel like concrete things come out of abstraction. So let's play. Let's play, dude. So um, if you maybe want to drop all the, the, the projects and your, your personal socials, if you want, just so people can come find you um if you want to rattle this off real fast yeah so you can you can come along on this quest uh on substack and uh spotify and stitcher and apple podcasts on all of those things it's the let me play project on substack is where there's accompanying articles for each episodes and also 
a couple of um, random articles up there as well, just whenever I have an inspiration to write something. Um, so I will likely be tacking on a couple of those uh, between these seasons. And on Instagram and YouTube, it's also at Let Me Play Project. So you can find us in all of those places. Well, Sarah Isley, um, I will speak on behalf of your listeners, and I want to thank you for allowing us into a very special part of your world and your soul. And I'm very thankful to be such good companions with you mm-hmm. and I'm super proud of you dude mm-hmm. and so thank you. um thank y'all for joining us today um I hope y'all enjoyed it and um yeah appreciate it y'all mm-hmm. thank you Jim. thank you Sarah Hi, friend. I hope you enjoyed this last episode of season one of Let Me Play as much as I enjoyed recording it. I think I'm going to have this structure for all of my seasons where I use the last episode as a reflection and a bit of introspection where I bring on a, a previous guest to interview me and talk with me because it adds a bit of closure, I think, to the season, and it's a good way to sort of summary, summarize and reflect on the stopping points I made along the way. So I hope you enjoyed it, and a very, very special thanks to Jeremy Tao for rejoining the podcast and for hosting. I didn't think to mention this while recording, but another more concrete step you can take in caring for yourself is seeking and asking for support or help whenever you need it and not being afraid to do that. Finding the right sort of support for you in a particular moment or situation is crucial, I think, to regaining your sense of self and whether it just be through friends or family or co-workers or a professional or licensed support, I encourage you to go seek that out and try not to be too afraid of asking for it. I would like to add that I'm just me. I'm just here doing my thing floating through so please take everything that I say with a huge bag of salt and sprinkle it on to everything at your discretion. I hope that you found some entertainment in these first few episodes of the Let Me Play project and I hope that you'll continue to come along on this journey. I've only just begun this quest but I feel like I've already made so much progress on it. Thanks to all of the work that I've done and intentions that I've set, but also to all the people that have listened in and have talked with me and have supported me along the way. And also thanks to, I think, the universe, the big old universe for tuning in and to helping me out a little bit. It was interesting the way that each of the words for this first season of the podcast presented themselves to me because 
I felt like I didn't choose them. I felt like they were the words that needed to be spoken about. Play was the only one that I really planned because I was so focused on reclaiming that sense of play for myself. But each of the words presented themselves to me in ways that I needed to consider bringing more of them into my life. And I feel like in each of these check marks, I did a really good job of exploring what each of the words meant through my word bubbles and brainstorms, and also to acknowledging each of the themes and each of the words and all the meanings and keeping that acknowledgement and noticing the words and how they affect each other and how they affect my daily life. So I have a whole bunch of check marks now that I can return back to at any point in the rest of this quest and the rest of this game. I chose to let my play shape and direct and mold the lifestyle in which I'm currently living. I chose to invest in training and in hobbies and projects and in people that are meaningful and enriching to me. I found support in friends and family and crew members and strangers that I could rely on and trust and accepted me and valued me for who I am. I created in a new medium with this podcast and I created on a fulfilling project with Jeremy at the beginning of the year and in a new role that I hadn't done before as a stand-in on the movie. I reawakened my curiosity and often found myself asking questions about people's interests or their jobs or anything that I was really curious about. I truly focused on and treasured the companions I have in my life who are ardently there for me whenever I need and who treasure me as much as I treasure them. I grew in mental, physical, and emotional strength as I learned a bunch of training skills as I got stronger, as I opened my mind and learned new things and confided in people and grew from tough experiences. I found and practiced gratitude in moments that were obvious and subtle and really tried to appreciate the small things that I had around me. And I reclaimed my worth thanks to the Challenge Accepted Academy that I took part in at the beginning of the year, as well as thanks to each of the achievements, big and small, that I made in the check marks before. As I lean into my main character energy here, this moment has a very season-ending feel to it. Of course, I have all of this podcast winding down and then I also wrapped on the film I was working on. It's bittersweet, I'm not gonna lie, but it's only just the beginning and I am excited for the potential that I see going forward.
I also keep getting little assurances from the universe. And in addition to everybody telling me I should go watch this movie anyway, I felt like I needed to go see the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which, this is a public disclaimer that if you have not seen that movie, you need to rush as fast as you can to the nearest cinema and go see it and go experience it. But I felt watching this movie that I was watching my brain <laughs> just process and go through a, like a whole narrative arc in this like strange, experimental, fantastical fun, beautiful, wild, scary, sad way. I came out with a lot of feelings about the movie, but I think watching it on this first time, the sentiment that most resonated with me was that I do fight with love. And love is a big part of me. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. There were so many beautiful moments about this season, both in terms of this podcast, but also like this literal season of winter spring that I felt really in tune with myself. But one of them was an overnight shoot in a park where I had some really fun parkour-ish blocking to do and it was a big background day so there were a lot of people on set and also they got an ice cream truck for us and I just had this really calming and satisfied and joyous moment where I realized that I was working on a project that I loved. It was based on a book that I adored as a kid and I was in a fun role that I really enjoyed and I had ice cream and I realized that to me right then I was living the dream and most people say that sarcastically which I also love but I felt it really genuinely so I hope I can keep finding the dream the real dream the sarcastic dream too but real moments of my dreams. That night where I was living the dream was also the first night that I read the children's book that the movie was based on in its entirety since, oh, I don't know, I was eight or so, and I was, I felt really touched and tickled by the whole book, getting to read through it. The character that I was standing in for was only on one page of the original book, but the description of the character, which is only a sentence, felt very appropriate and really resonated with me. And the description is a very deserving porcupine. So I think I'm going to keep that sentiment and use it to describe myself whenever I need to remember and to remind myself that I am worth living authentically for. So with all of these little assurances from the universe and all of these check marks unlocked and treasure chests opened, I hope that 
you have an inkling of an understanding of what play means to me and how important it is for me to let play into my life and let it shape me and guide me through all the decisions I need to make. As I mentioned with Jeremy, I'm not sure when the next season of Let Me Play will come out, but it's in the works already. I've got some things, got some balls rolling, pot stirring and Floridians. But until then, you can keep in touch on Substack, Facebook, and Instagram at the Let Me Play Project. And there might be a couple articles or a couple side quest episodes or, and definitely some Instagram pictures and posts up before the next official episode comes out, so definitely keep in touch there. Again, special thanks to Jeremy Tao for hosting this episode, and go check out not only his episode for the Let Me Play project, which was 1.6 companionship, but also go support his new film, Walkman, which you can find all the links to do so on the accompanying article for this episode. So as the sun sets and as stardust is sprinkled, I'm going to keep listening to the universe and keep living this life of authenticity and I'm going to keep fighting with love. I'll see you soon and sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so, so much for playing.